0: This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking The Pope's Exorcist and Renfield. I want to suck your demons? Then
1: help say We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hello! Aaron, how are you? You know what? I'm doing rather well. Hey! I I slept in for the first time in I think months uh-huh. <laughs> this morning. Uh, I feel like I've been doing something like all the time every morning on the weekends, and so it's like I actually slept in, which was nice. But I there slept in. I slept in because my lovely girlfriend Anna and I we went to the San Diego Zoo yesterday. Oh, that's and a a great zoo. It is a great zoo. We had a ton of fun there. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a, kind of an early anniversary celebration. It's our anniversary next week, so uh, just shouting out Anna, I love you very much, and I was happy to go to the zoo with you. <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> so
2: nice. yeah
0: how are you doing this is too much love for one to handle <laughs> we got we got to keep moving <laughs> i'm doing all right thank you thank you for asking i've uh i've enjoyed my sunday good well out now is a film podcast where Amy and i discuss new movies weekly
1: we dig into movies maybe most part for your review the occasional commentary track or some other film movie topic this is episode 530, 530. oh perfect for you know a lot of bloodletting that's that's exactly correct, because yeah. there will be a lot of bloodletting, and then we'll record this podcast. And on this podcast, <laughs> we're going to talk about two movies this week. It's a double header. doubleheader. We're talking Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist. That's right. Movies that did okay at the box office this weekend. Okay hey. is putting it strongly for at least one of those movies, but hey, here we are talking about them. Um, and joining us to discuss Renfield and The Pope's Exorcist, we have writing for sites that include The A.V. Club and Superhero Hype, returning once again it's luke thompson
3: i feel like i never left in fact, in fact i haven't i've been locked in my studio all this time since the last time and i've just been waiting for you guys to answer my call and let me out of here
0: it's cute that you call your our, the coffin we gave you your yeah. studio. <laughs> luke we have to keep you locked in there for your own safety my good man the sun is out like 12 hours a day
3: you could at least give me some of the soil of my native land
0: Well, (laughs) that's coming on a boat. It's it's not here yet. (laughs) You realize the reason that
1: vampires are never really that swole is because sun's out, guns out is one of their worst, uh, worst catchphrases. They're They're just
0: like, (laughs) I'm never going to. We buy that shirt for them, ironically, for their birthday.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, Luke, how are you doing? today? I'm
3: I'm good. I was also thinking vampires can't look at the man in the mirror and ask him to make a change. And that's
0: why they say evil. (laughs) (laughs) They hated that sign when it came out.
3: Well, well, they didn't want to make a change, so gave them an excuse, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, they're bad.
1: Well, good to have you back here, obviously. Uh, you know, it's it's always nice to have Luke on the show. We can talk about a bunch of movies always. and everything. And uh, But let's get to some uh, show notes here before we uh, get into the main scheme of things. Uh, first up, new commentary track. It is our final entry in the I Love LA commentary series, where we've been talking about various action movies for set in Los Angeles throughout the decades. Uh, We started off in January with uh, Assault on Precinct 13, we moved on to Beverly Hills Cop, then we hopped into some Rush Hour, and we've concluded this thing with Collateral, the Michael Mann film starring Tom Cruise and Jimmy Fox. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun on that one as well. uh, We had a bit of discussion, we had some uh, debates over Mm -hmm. aspects of the film, which is uh, a little bit unusual for our commentaries, a lot of fun to kind of get into. Oh. Uh, so to take a listen to that and one tease yeah speaking of which you can listen to that one if you go into itunes and search for our, our podcast out and out there today you can find that collateral commentary track and you can also find a tab that says reviews and ratings and you can give us a rating and review which will be wonderful pop us up on the old itunes charts thank you very much in advance um what else oh that's right in a few weeks summer movie season starts crazy and with summer movie season comes the summer movie gamble mm. In our case, it's the 11th annual Summer Movie Gamble coming soon to Out now, Out with Abe. <laughs> um, we are once again, Abe and I, along with many uh, frequent guests of the show, will be planning to predict the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer at the box office, domestic, uh, to determine who is the best at putting random math together uh, to determine which movies will be the most successful. <laughs> Something along those lines. Uh, but that's always a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be getting all the details and all that stuff together uh in the now basically to right. prepare for this thing and uh, just stay tuned because that's always a a good fun thing uh, that we do throughout the summer yeah um what uh, you know what abe I, yes. I, I i saw this and this is going to tie into one of my quickies kind of but i wanted to bring hey, this Mark. up because it's a little bit of thank you it's a little bit of news um you and i are both big fans of the movie rock and Roller from guy we Rich are yeah toby Keble, friend of the show did you see this story that the um apparently one of the co-writers maybe luke you might have seen this story too but one of the co-writers of rock and roll is suing guy Ritchie. really i did not see this story (laughs) Luke, have you seen this story i have not so now i'm only going off of just various things i've read so there's a lot of like presumably hearsay and what have you but apparently the film the gentleman um from what i from what i can tell the Gentleman is basically a reworked script of the sequel to Rock and Roller that never got made. What? Uh, hmm. So, like, ideas from whatever the Rock and Roller 2 would have been uh-huh. were taken in for The Gentleman. Yeah. And Now there's a dispute over ideas and uh, you know, whatever you want to... I mean, it's like, you know, I'm, I have no placement in here. So it's like either Guy Ritchie stole ideas and didn't credit anybody... Or like he claims that he tried to contact the writer and the writer never heard from it whatever. There's all kinds of like going, uh-huh. And it's always uh-huh. these things always happen to come out around the time of the next of the director's latest movie. It's weird yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I mean, you got to get some press for sure. But I will say as being that the fact that we're both fans of rock and roll, knowing that we're probably never going to get a sequel <laughs> to it. Well, this is kind of why. And it makes me want to think. I guess I should like The Gentleman more. Movie I already <laughs> kind of like. like. I like it well enough. There's some parts of it that I really enjoy. There's stuff that I really like. And there's other stuff that's like, eh, less so. But I'm also like, well, now that I have to think, if I think of it in the perspective of this is the the only version the of a sequel? Rock and Roller yeah. sequel we'll get, I'm like, I guess I should by default respect this a little bit more, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I wanted, to, I wanted to throw that your way. As as I thought you'd find that interesting.
0: Yeah, I do find it interesting. I have no real other comments on it. But now it's like I guess I want to rewatch the gentleman again. Yeah, so yeah. it's it'll be yeah it will be neat to rewatch and
1: just kind of frame it under. Yeah, with like especially the if you if, yeah. if you look up the story and you read kind of some of the details, you can uh-huh. see
0: like okay, I can kind of factor in how this would play. Sure. But uh... I also so, just yeah. like the way that uh, guy Ritchie is like I I tried calling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're, you That's must so- have changed your phone number or something.
3: <laughs> yeah. I haven't kept up on the latest guy, Ritchie, but aren't all his movies kind of about similar things like that's not people shooting each other and stealing stuff and <laughs> at things
1: at least his his more gangster focused movies. Sure. Yeah. Well, bookmark guy, Ritchie for now, because we'll get back to him a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's show notes Great uh, for this week. Uh, let's move on now. Let's get let's get to some now. quickies. Trademark. Each week, we now there, and we have move that week. Good mark. I, I, I did like a little like I'm stumbling at the start, then I recovered and run the race. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. there.
0: <laughs> Didn't get clean out of the blocks, then you still ended up first.
1: Made up for it because as yeah. Ben Affleck says, "Just do it." Okay, Luke. Um, what other movies have you seen recently?
3: Well, um, I have saw I saw a movie just yesterday that is my favorite movie of the year so far, and it's do called... tell. It's called Backwards Faces. Okay. Uh, Have you heard of it?
1: I have heard of it, but I saw your post something and I was like, what would this be? And then you know, and now I know. Backwards Faces. Okay. What is it about?
3: It has no distribution. It's it's, uh, on Prime Video. It's on Apple TV and it's on Vudu. I strongly suggest you guys rent it. Or and, and by you guys, I mean everyone listening. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna do. I'm not gonna do that thing where I'm like, oh, Yo, if you don't like it, I'll refund your money." No, because I'm not responsible if you all have terrible taste. But <laughs> if you all do see it out there, I'm curious what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, LYT Rules. Tell me what you think. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's doubly amazing because you know one of my beats is the festival beat and super indies, and you kind of grade on a curve a lot of the times with those because they're not going to be at the same level. Of slickness as a hollywood movie and a lot of them aren't going to go much further and none has ever cracked my top 10 of the year list except i think this one is going to because i can't imagine seeing nine movies this year that i like better than it hmm. it's extra amazing because it fulfills the dream every aspiring author wants it has only two actors it's shot entirely inside a one-bedroom apartment there are no yeah. exteriors And it is a multiverse movie, and it is one of the best multiverse scripts I've ever seen. Mm. Basically, you have a man and a woman sitting on either side of a bed. They've had a one-night stand. She's clearly pissed at him. He's, like, trying to do damage control. She wants to leave, and then he says, you know, I have the solution to your problem. And she's like, what is my problem? He's like, I don't remember. And she goes, and how do you have have the solution? He's like, because this is the solution to every problem. Mm. My bathroom... Is an intersection point of multiple realities in space time, okay. and he's like, "What? That's what you're going with?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I'm from another dimension, and you told me this, and I'm not going to stay here. So goodbye." And he goes into the bathroom, then she opens the door, and it's like a different version of him taking a dump. And he's like, "Whoa!" Close the door. Then he comes out like it's a different him. He's been married. He claims he's been married to her for two years and he doesn't remember any of what just happened. And things escalate from there. It's a very, very snappy back-and-forth script. There's a lot of humor that's sort of who's on first, but with quantum physics involved, as well as mishearing similar words and multiple versions of the lead characters. It's a little bit everything, everywhere, all at once, except instead of being everywhere, it's just a bathroom. And it's... It's an hour, eight minutes, and it was so good, I started thinking, I'm sorry, this movie's gonna end so soon, I want it to go longer. But then the ending happens, and it's so emotionally perfect, and at the right time, I was like, nah, this is good.
2: Wow. This is okay. really good.
3: And Everyone in this is a relative newcomer, the director, editor, uh, writer, the cinematographer. It has a synth score, which is, synth scores on indies are usually terrible. This one's great, it punctuates all the moments perfectly. Uh, because it's a generic one-bedroom apartment, you've got to have great cinematography and editing. It does. It's in black and white, so that makes it look a little more distinctive than I think if it were a, an empty one-bedroom in color. And it is just phenomenal. It certainly kept me compelled the whole time. And it's one of, one of a few screeners where, you know, I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I think I need to show you this. I think we need to sit down and I'm going to watch this again and show you this. And I never do that with any of my screeners because they're never anything that's worth showing to her. Hmm. Uh, Not that they're all bad, but I know they're not good enough to be of interest enough to her. But this one was so solid. I was like, because she's an actress and there's, you know, the actors are delivering very rapid fire dialogue in this, performing as multiple versions of themselves, firing dialogue off themselves and others really tight just um can't say much more about how much more impressed i was with it
1: well i am intrigued and i will certainly add that to queue. you haven't steered me wrong yet with some of these obscure ones like uh, intergalactic which i wanted to watch anyway but you certainly sent me over the top as far as getting to it quicker um curious have you seen the movie beyond the infinite two minutes uh no it's a japanese movie that it's not multiverse. The instead it's time travel, and it's also like an hour and change, and it's excellent and wonderful in a way that sounds curiously similar to what you're saying. Not like entirely, but in terms of like, here's a quick hit that nobody knows about. That's a that's a movie that I would definitely recommend to you. It's I on, it's on, to see that? It's on Prime, um, and it's I believe cool. free. So.
3: Free, even better yeah I, there you I, go. <laughs> backwards faces is uh five bucks i believe i checked on it earlier
0: <laughs> oh. a well spent five bucks by luke thompson
3: i i think so i mean i didn't yeah. spend i had a review copy so i didn't spend the five bucks well i guess I would, you can give five dollars
0: against... to me when i ask for a refund then <laughs> <laughs> well very cool though I, yeah that, that certainly sounds
1: intriguing any, any other things you've seen
3: um no i saw another movie called my sister's wedding which was just kind of so-so but uh-huh. The interesting thing about it was that i found out the guy who plays the narcissistic dad the father of the bride in it used to be a wwe jobber named like the, the dublin destroyer <laughs> who i you know i'm a big wwe lifelong fan and i've never heard of the dublin destroyer but apparently That was one of his gigs, along with being a regular, you know, character actor on Late Night with David Letterman back in the day. Okay, (laughs) that was interesting. Both of these reviews should drop, by the way, on Synagogues tomorrow. Um, Backwards Faces certainly will. This one, depending on how long it takes me to write it.
1: Very cool. All right, Abe, let's go to you. What have you seen recently?
0: Uh, I've uh, seen the most recent. No, I'm sorry. Season episode three of Succession. Uh, and you know, go check it out. Um, but then, it really in line with what we're talking about this week, even though I didn't really mean for this to happen, there's a show on Hulu, <laughs> um, and it's on Sci-Fi, but streaming on Hulu. That I, that's where I caught it, called Reginald the Vampire. Oh, okay. J- Jacob I... Batelon from uh, the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man series, in it. Yeah. And oh, he plays. Yes. Yeah. It's it's what what's weird about this show is like, it's super schlocky. And it's like a clearly a sci-fi TV show because they're trying to go very serious with uh, with Mario Van Peebles, son. Um, and he's kind of playing like this weird brooding vampire that has like this weird backstory in Washington.
2: And Reginald. So, so, sorry,
0: yeah. is
1: Mario Van Peebles like he's in the show and he has his actual son? Is in the son? Show.
0: OK, Just yeah, so there's he, more Van Peebles's. Exactly. There's more Van Peebles'. Okay. Uh, if you watch the credits though, the, it does say we, we'd like to thank the Van Peebles family for the artwork that's in in uh I think his son's name is Mo... I'm looking it up now because now I uh, need
1: it. Man, Man, Mandela, Van Mandela
0: Peebles. thank you. Yeah. His family. Mandela Hall's <laughs> all over the place, let me
1: tell you. The Van Peebles. He looks just like his father. He oh does, yeah. It's very <laughs>
0: wow. if if you're gonna turn on like a nineties movie, you're just like this this looks exactly like his uh, mm-hmm. like his father. But um there, there's like that aspect of the story, but then there's like the schlocky, just like Reginald being a vampire working at like a nighttime slushy place, just trying to trying to like get with like uh, his coworker, um, that they 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 mutually like each other, and it's just like it's just like this weird like funny vampire rom com backed by some weird like you know deeper mythology stuff, and I I I half like it because i I'm just watching. Uh, there's actually one episode dedicated just to the Peoples side of the story, and I was like, this, this is not what I'm here for. I'm just here for Reginald. So I just fast-forwarded and checked out the other episodes, but it's kind of just some schlocky stuff that you can just leave out in the background. You're like, huh, that's that's pretty fun. That's pretty cool. There's like some interesting cinematography in here. There's like some good use of color and lights, which we'll talk about in Renfield. But um, yeah, it's it's not a bad show. It's like it's not terrible. It's actually just a show that I would say like, hey, if you kind of like like these 90s style shows. Where they're kind of about like a lot of things, but shot like it's you know from some kid in your backyard just making a home movie. Check it out. It doesn't look that bad. It's actually a you normal know, well shot. But
1: <laughs> the the brief trailers I've seen, it looked like as far as its look goes, like oh, okay, this looks interesting. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I've, I saw that pop up on Hulu, and I was like, oh, that show that was on Sci Fi is now, and that's neat. No. That yeah. It takes, takes commercials away, so that's easy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. It's easy. You know. Uh, and again, I think that there's some some fun folks in here. So check it out if you have some time.
1: I like that I searched for Reginald the Vampire, and first I got Reginald Bill Johnson,
0: obviously. And, th- <laughs> and then I got that. <laughs> I He's mean, he TV is again. in that it's commercial like, from yeah, TV dad or whatever. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Still not a sponsor. Why won't they write us back, Aaron? Yeah. Anything else? No, please
1: hit it. Okay, um, I'll go through a couple of these quick. First up, I finished Blind Spotting season two, which I talked wow, about last week already. Well, I had to review it, and also okay. it's you know eight episodes, and it's and it's a half hour, and it's great. So it's like yeah, I was eager to get through it, and I did, and I'm very satisfied with where it goes, and I'm very much looking forward to what they're going to be doing in season three. Um, and I'll leave it there. Um, let's see. I saw Bo is Afraid from Ari Aster. Okay. I will not talk about it now because I'm sure Abe and I will have a different episode on it at some point because I think it's worthy of having a deeper discussion than just putting into quickies. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say uh, three hours well spent <laughs> in my mind. Um, Let's see. I talked about Suzumi last week, but I was so happy that it made like five million at the box office for a movie like this in America after already making like I think like 100 million worldwide. Uh, so it's like uh, go see this movie, <laughs> like if you like your name and weather of You, and you or just like good anime, no reason not to see this on a big screen. Um, I I wish I saw it on a big screen. Uh, still just really still
0: good. waiting to go check it out in the big screen.
1: Yeah, uh, I watched Chupa on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> this is the kid friendly Chupacabra movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's Unfortunately named.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: right. <laughs> yeah, um, it's from director Jonas. Uh, Coron son of mm-hmm. Alfon- Al- Al- Alfonso. Coron. Wow, um, okay. So, the and director's
3: a native Spanish speaker and didn't get that the name is the problem.
0: Maybe it's a Netflix thing. <laughs> maybe, He's maybe probably Netflix. like, I know what it means, but I want all these white people to say
1: it. <laughs> I mean, maybe Netflix changed the title to make it be like, oh, yeah, you know, Chuba. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because it's fun. Um, I will say the movie itself is fine, like, okay. it does the job, it's basically Mexican ET. Um, But like You know it's not as good as a Spielberg movie But it, like that's the story it's going for it, Instead of Peter Coyote as keys You have Christian Slater as the guy that's going Hey after he's the, back um, That said he is He is more He's like an evil character As opposed oh. to Peter Coyote who's just like I just want to find the, this alien and I all believe all in aliens games. too yeah.
0: <laughs> just, I've always been a believer Right.
1: Uh, he's more like I need to get this thing and get its powers Ah I'm evil uh, but it's like, all right, guys, I guess you should
0: really turn into John Travolta from Broken Arrow. Pretty <laughs> ain't <it> cool. Um, <laughs> but
1: Um I don't know, It's got Demian Bashir in there as far as the other adult cast members go. It's like it's fine. Like it does the job. The fact that it's, you know, set in Mexico and like is dealing with both Mexican folklore as well as the nature of people in Mexico. Like it's got some I can see like it has some ideas there. Um Nothing, like, super special, but as far as a Netflix original goes, like, oh, it's fine. And the Chupa, the little, like, Chupacabra, like, that CG, yes, you lose something by having it CG and not being a breathing puppet like E.T., but also, it looks pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain, so it does what it does. I watched another movie called Once Upon a Time in Ukraine. Um, This Uh, I don't know if I've heard this one. This is a Ukrainian exploitation film, uh-huh. uh, very much heavily influenced by Tarantino, Leone, Maike, like any kind of genre filmmaker uh, with notable styles you could think of. It is basically the tale of what if this famous uh, Ukrainian poet that exists in real life, uh, instead of like living a life of, I assume, somewhat more at ease while still dealing with tyranny, uh, became like a collaborated with a wandering samurai instead and fought ninjas and stuff huh. um it's makes sense you know for for a movie like this uh i think it does the job i think there's a version of this that could be terrible because i've seen you know, i have seen those knockoffs that are awful and abysmal uh this one's pretty well it's got like cool action sequences and the tension's high and the fact that it's like you know set in ukraine and it's set like in the 1800s it's like it's got a neat style to it that I respect. It's the kind of thing where it's like, well, it has clearly a lower budget than, you know, films like this that are doing it on the, you know, a higher level, yet it's still making it work in the way it can and providing a certain amount of dark humor and fun amidst the, you know, bloodshed that's going down. Uh, so I, I enjoyed this. I, I saw the title and I watched the trailer. I was like, I'm interested. And I watched it. I was like, okay, that delivered. That delivered better than I thought it would. So nice. there you go. Uh, the other movie uh, that I'm going to mention and by the time this drops, I assume I can talk about this, it's Uh Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, um, which is very much Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. It says it in the title itself. It's not just The Covenant directed by Guy Ritchie. (laughs) And so I I continue to assume that they don't want to confuse it with Rennie Harlan's The Covenant. Exactly. A movie that I'm sure, Luke, you talk about all the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'm going to make you my wee (laughs) (laughs) Ot.
1: Friend of the show Taylor Kitsch in that movie. Um, Yeah. It's a movie that exists. Uh, But this movie, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, uh, it's quite good. Um, okay all right it, like maybe one of his best movies <laughs> like it's really good
0: well that that's high praise we just talked about I was, rock and rolla
1: <laughs> i'm not like well yeah i'm not gonna say it's as good as like what i would like i don't i don't think it's you know it's not up there with lock stock and, yeah, rock and yeah. snatch like but i but in terms of like his recent output which honestly a- after aladdin i've been enjoying quite a bit i'm i was really satisfied with the movie it's you know it's a war drama thriller with jake gyllenhaal but like he doesn't take away his style at all. Like everything that you expect Guy Ritchie to do in his movies, he's uh-huh. doing it here. Also. It just happens to be applied to a different genre. So it, that doesn't mean it's like full of quips and stuff. I mean, just like his use of camera. Yeah. It's still very active. There's a lot of frenetic editing and what have you, and things to okay. convey certain stuff that you, that makes sense for the movie you're watching. And it's done in a way that feels like respectful, but also thrilling and just it, it's really good like i was i was uh taken yeah. by how much i appreciated the, what he was doing in this movie
0: i'm so glad that you talked about the camera work because that was one of the things that i was hoping the guy richie signature was going to be on because uh-huh. from the trailer it just looks pretty regular yeah so, i'm glad
1: guy Ritchie's two for two for me this year with yeah. this and uh, i'm glad that we made, made the, right like bet the uh, for yeah. the trailer yeah, so,
0: yeah. like well, yeah, a you, couple weeks ago. Your move, Kandahar. We'll see what happens there. <laughs> um yeah, we don't want the big industries to come after, or the big movie distributors come after us. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna hit us hard. Yeah, from Kandahar. Um, but yeah, no,
1: I, I quite liked Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, despite the fact that I have to keep saying the Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. <laughs> um, so yeah, all right, that's cookies trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about one of the newest movie chairs of the week when it's coming out, what well, we thought of it, what have you. And this week, we're talking The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, this is a new movie from director Andre Overdahl, who directed such films as Troll Hunter and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which one critic might have called a cinematic page-turner at some point, I don't know. <laughs> um, this, wait, is that the one where that misspelled your name? Um, no, this is the one where I got it right, actually. Okay, <laughs> right. Is... Oh, wait, no, it is. No, my bad. No, I think it is. <laughs> they did no, misspell hold on. it. Hold on, I think it... I think this is the one that got it right. Okay. <laughs> I know Missing Link got it wrong, um, but this one, I think that's the one, like the first one that got it right for a change. They didn't use my signature catchphrase, though. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> so. but with a yeah, film...
0: period, not an exclamation mark, a period. <laughs> Hilarious, period. Yes. Hilarious. Hilarious? Question mark? <laughs>
1: uh enough about me uh this film is um it's a supernatural horror movie that's basically an adaptation of the captain's log chapter from bram stoker's dracula it features Corey hawkins uh as, as hey we needed a black guy in this movie and uh, <laughs> liam cunningham as the captain of the ship <laughs> along with david dust as i assume the weird one and um javier botet as dracula uh, that name that name may not sound familiar, but he plays, like, the tall man in The Conjuring 2, mm-hmm. and, like, one of the ghosts in Crimson Peak. He's, like, a very tall Spanish actor uh-huh. who, like, he's like a, he's like Doug Jones of Spain. I was
0: going to say, he's Doug Jones' greatest, like... Um, uh... he, his nemesis, yes. Yeah, exactly. his nemesis. They, 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 they should fight to the <laughs> We need a death tall plan. guy.
1: Mm. Uh, so, like, instead of, you know, basically meaning that Dracula seems to be some kind of more of, like, an entity as opposed to a... I don't know a Nicolas Cage, uh, for example. So, with all of that in mind, I will say right now, I'm quite excited for this movie. I, I heard about this movie a while ago, and then I knew there was a trailer that came out like last year at CinemaCon, if I'm not mistaken. And it never it like it just now is like getting its uh, release here. But just the concept of this really excites me. I'm like really intrigued by seeing this uh, this portion of Dracula being turned into like its own film. I thought that's a really cool idea. I like that it it doesn't have like a bunch of like star power instead. It's just relying on like the premise. And I like the director, honestly. So I- I'm quite excited for this movie, but I want to hear from you guys. Luke, what'd you think of the trailer for the last two voyage of the Demeter?
3: Well, first of all, I realized that I've never heard uh, the name of the goddess Demeter said out loud before. Cause I always assumed it was Demeter. Mm-hmm.
1: I've heard it both ways. Uh, uh, so I'm just going off what I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But,
3: I mean, the uphill struggle on this for me is okay. It's one chapter from Bram Stoker's book. And I see the trailer, and everything in that chapter is there. So, what else you got? Mm-hmm. I know it's, I know how it's going to end because you're calling it the last voyage. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the boat doesn't look all that big to sustain a long chase all around it. So, I'm sort of having trouble finding, you know, what it is aside from the trailer. The trailer satisfies me as a short story. And then I don't know what else it is that. I want from it. They could have hidden what Dracula looks like. He looks like Nosferatu with wings. Uh, I I don't know what else there is aside from you know. There's going to be some gore scenes added to what I've just seen. So I eh, I don't think I pay for it. I mean, I'm going to have a press screening, I'm sure, and I'll see it then. But it's not selling me beyond what it's showing.
0: All right, so, Abe, how about you? I was also very uh, interested in the name pronunciation, and when they said it in the trailer, I was like, "Oh, I—I I guess that's the way that you would say it." Um, I—here's the thing: there was a, a roundtable, at Hollywood Reporter, like, maybe a few weeks back, talking about these writers and how they're saying, like, "Oh, you know, uh, old all this—what? Uh, uh, what, I've just lost the word now." Basically, like, all this old IP uh, has been around and. Uh, it actually helps us write cool things because we're gonna take old premises and kind of just rehash them. and And I thought that that was kind of very cool and kind of applied to this just because of the we've seen this boat many a time. We talked about it in the Nosferatu commentary a while back. Um, and what a co- what a cool idea! Just to be like, hey, let's have a movie about the people that are on this voyage on this boat. I think I'm also on the same page as uh, Luke, though, of just well. It's called The Last Voyage and I guess I don't seems like there's going to be a lot of stuff like how goes on and uh some twists and turns in the dark kind of thing but um uh, I was also kind of just hoping that they ha- they wouldn't have shown what they did show of the creature in this movie and that would have been a nice reveal but um I am curious just to see how it goes I I I think I just want to know what they could do with this you know what I mean Yeah I just use that curiosity
1: as a, I am. Cu- I'm just curious. I remain curious. That's yeah. that's what I'm going off of. It's like what? there's got to there's got there's gonna be something. <laughs> like it's got to fill out ninety minutes. <laughs> so like I want <laughs> to know what that is. That's there. Um, <laughs>
3: I mean, it could be like 45 minutes is on the shore and then the boat, you know, it could be like <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan in reverse where you wait till the boat for the, until the third
1: act. Hey, is one that ranks Jason versus Manhattan versus Jason <laughs> to Jason versus the people of Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a just, ju- it's a John, a John Wick walk. movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as one that puts that uh, not last, um, <laughs> I'm curious. I'll, be, I'll take that, I'm curious it would be. Uh, well, The Last Voyage of the meter, it opens uh, August 11th, uh, this summer. Uh, so we will see what happens. Alright. Well, let's move on now to our first review for The Pope's Exorcist. You have a problem with me? You talk to my boss. The Pope.
2: There is a case that needs your attention. <laughs> Bring me the priest. I'm here to help Julia. Wrong. Right! Take caution, there are secrets buried there. Mm. Is the Vatican sealed? The church has fought against this demon before. The Vatican covered it up. We need to find out why. You've been played. You talk to fate.
1: All right, that should have been some of the trailer for The Pope's Exorcist. Father Gabriel Amorth was an Italian Catholic priest with a wonderful Wikipedia photo who founded the International Association of Exorcists and worked in demonology. He was a controversial figure in the Catholic Church and passed away in 2016. The Pope's Exorcist is an attempt to make a film out of Amorth's own memoir by way of a Screen Gems-produced horror feature. It stars Russell Crowe, who is tasked with helping a possessed boy in Spain... Who is specifically asking for his presence? An exorcism ensues, complete with uh, additional backstories, church conspiracies, and more. As the morph does what he can to help, riding in on his
0: scooter and cracking a few jokes <laughs> along the way. Abe, yes, you're coming in hot with your thoughts. Coming on in what hot. What did you think? Uh, we're too close for missiles, so switching to guns here. Uh, we are. I this movie. I just finished this movie like an hour ago. Um, this movie, uh, in a nutshell. You know, when it's not, like, bland, it's actually pretty good. (laughs) It's It's a movie that uh, plays off of exorcism movies, and it plays off of um, these, like, Rome-Vatican mysteries. Um, And there's actually even, like, bits of exposition here about exorcisms, the Spanish Inquisition, what have you. You throw all that out the window, when you have Russell Crowe, a bona fide movie star, on the screen, this movie fucking rocks, dude. Like he is coming in and just being Russell Crowe movie star. There's a scene where he even gets like a few lines where he's like, "Do you know who I am?" And like, uh, it's almost like his uh, Maximus Decimus Meridius line. Like there was like some, some points in here where he gives some great one-liners and some great jokes. I'm not gonna lie, there's there's actually some really cool set design in this movie as well. Um, and there's even some really strong like dramatic beats in this movie beyond what you would see normally in a type of movie like this so there there's these flashback sequences that harken back to i forget that one like um danish movie where um things happen to people in cars as well um oh it, it might actually might have been um it's not danish but the babadook <laughs> that's that's australian <laughs> australian yeah yeah it harken back to a scene in that as well but I, I The only thing that really holds it back – or I'm sorry, the last thing I'll say about the the thing – New or, Zealand, Jesus Christ. New Zealand, yeah. I don't you. want to upset people. <laughs> no, we don't want to upset the uh, the Kiwis. Uh, don't
3: upset Russell Crowe, who is a Kiwi. That's right, even my, though he you He'll know, come and punch you. Right,
0: yeah, throw a phone at us. Um. But uh, I think that the other thing that they kind of actually sort of talk about in this movie, which doesn't get talked about a lot in these Vatican-type movies, is – the uh, the abuse that happens and has happened and kind of where it all uh leads to uh in the future but you know when you get away from all that cool set design all like the Russell Crowe on the screen you know with his one liners and his jokes and what have you it does it does kind of suffer from having too many ideas for some degree for you know a movie like this where it's like it I'd probably categorize this as like a dramatic movie with scary beats in it um, and those scary beats are are kind of just very very uh they're not everyday they're not very like mundane but it's actually you've just seen them before and they they're kind of like immaterial to the other parts of the story that are happening i mean there's like three other characters in this movie that are a family that you don't really have a great backstory on but also they're just like they're there to serve as like a, a vehicle um uh, for the catalyst of Russell Crowe and this other guy who who joins him uh Father Scibell um but yeah i i thought that i dug it for the parts that it was like going for i guess some cool panache um and then you know it also again just suffers from well it also has to adhere to the rules of a uh, an exorcism type story and that stuff is actually kind of boring let's just clear this up for the sake of it the babadook is australian <laughs> Thank it's you.
1: Yeah, part, like I double, I second guess yeah. myself. Who's, who's the director and, on that? And I was right, Jennifer Kent. And I was right Jennifer the whole Kent. time. Yeah. So I just want to yeah. make it clear. We Bump apologize, Jennifer Australian Kent.
0: Film. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: All right, Luke. I want to hear your thoughts on the Pope's Exorcist.
3: I was trying to think if there's any other subgenre like exorcism movies where the first one out the gate was so definitive that every other one has been a mediocre imitation of it mm-hmm. ever since. Uh, yeah. I did. I did like, like the way the opening exorcism in this was sort of played on that where he cuts to the chase. He just like walks in like, okay, demon, I dare you to go in the pig. Demon goes in the pig, boom, blows his brains out. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe's talking in Italian the entire time, which is fun. Uh, the rest of it, though, i uh, it's hard for me to take <clears throat> it very seriously. First of all, Russell Crowe's Italian accent first. <laughs> yeah. And then the demon who talks like Andy Serkis the whole movie, like, Oi! I'm gonna have, I'm gonna fuck you, and then I'm gonna bring you to climax. <laughs> it's like, am I supposed to be scared by this. Uh, sure. And then the demon's grand plan is like to show that the Spanish Inquisition killed people. Like classic not <laughs> yeah.
0: Know
3: anything about? He's
0: trying to, he's trying to give us some backstory about his, his villain. <laughs> that
3: is, uh, the demon wants to bring down the cat, the Vatican. Okay, this is the '80s. Like why aren't we rooting for this? If the Vatican had been brought down in the eighties, none of the pedophile priest stuff would have happened. Um, the, so I'm kind of on the demon side on that one. I have fun and I you know don't, don't get me wrong. I have fun with all this campy stuff. And <laughs> the fact that Russell Crowe actually recorded a hologram of himself at WrestleMania a couple of weeks ago and was introducing the hell in the cell match in character
1: Emperor, Emperor Palpatine style? He's
0: recording his own podcast videos? It's no, Tupac at Coachella style.
3: So uh, that was perfect. Um, the movie's too long. It has too many dead parts in the middle. Okay. And then at the end of the movie, this is a very minor spoiler, but they basically tease 199 sequels to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me think, okay, maybe this could have been a TV series <laughs> instead. Maybe that's what you wanted to do.
1: Maybe that's the end game.
3: Uh, so... <laughs> It wasn't consistently campy fun enough for me to really enjoy throughout. And the main family are lame. The main reason they're there is so that there can be Americans for us to identify with. And characters who speak English without having to add an accent to it the way Russell Crowe does. Uh, That couldn't be much more blatant about that. I also i'll give it credit that even though it's set in the 80s it shows kind of gothy metal-y songs from the 80s that aren't the usual 80s songs as signifiers mm-hmm. i like i did not i certainly didn't want russell crowe to be riding on his scooter playing take on me for the five hundred. <laughs> my mind would take on love. me also <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we, we, we've gotten holding out for a hero so many times this year so i was waiting for that to yeah. pop in but that would have been yeah, hilarious for the final battle <laughs>
3: I think it's I think it's interesting that there, you know, I think it was the onion or some publication called This This and Mario Italian on Italian Violence at
0: the bottom. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was
3: funny because <laughs> neither one of them's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> and uh everyone spent so much time worrying about Chris Pratt's accent that Russell Crowe just kind of slid in there and is like, I'm an exorcist.
0: Yeah, he just <laughs> skewed it by on his on his Vespa.
1: I my um... my diocese is Rome. My bishop is the Pope.
0: That shit had me fucking like movie star Russell Crowe's
1: back, baby. <laughs> I will, I will add that it seems like Russell Crowe is going the Tom Hanks route of like I'm more really respected enough. I can just do an act that people just kind of accepted. Sure, as far as like it's not really good, but it's like well he did something, I guess. Um, I agree with you guys. I think we're all pretty much on the same page here. Where Russell Crowe's movie star charisma is a lot um, that pays off in this movie. The movie itself is not good, but, like, the fact that he's doing this makes me almost respect it more. <laughs> um, out, outside of that, it's like, yeah, there's nothing really here. I entirely agree about the family to the point where I was, like, halfway in the movie. Like, wait, why are we, why are they the characters? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right, because they have, like, their husband left of the house. Uh, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, there's so little going on in between, like, the stick that Crow is doing where it's like, this is barely a movie. Like, there's nothing here that's new. A, I completely agree with you, though, on the production design. Like, I was, I, I thought there was like good set stuff here, but mm-hmm. what threw me off was that it's so drab looking. Like, it's not really shot in any interesting way, mm-hmm. which was disappointing because it's from director Julius Avery, who did the film Overlord a few years ago, a film I really liked. Oh, yeah. And part of what I really liked about the movie is that that's a World War II horror movie that avoids looking like private Ryan instead. It's like really colorful and lively. And I was like, this is such a neat look for a movie like this. So that like that put him in my cool book, as far as directors, I'm going to keep an eye on (laughs) and watching this as well as that Stallone movie from last year, Samaritan that he also directed. It's like, okay, well, (laughs) <laughs> we're missing out here
3: Samaritan I do love Samaritan I,
1: I think there's I a lot up. of good stuff in it I don't <laughs> like it overall but I did like that's a more interestingly directed movie I would say than this movie is for yeah for sure um but yeah this one it the the thing that kept me interested in the Pope's Exodus beyond Russell Crowe being the star of it was like well Avery's on I'm curious what he's gonna do with something like this and yeah it doesn't really do anything to defy much of the tropes of exorcism movies yeah I'll add that I've said this before I think compared to like creepy kid movies, or as we know, a home invasion movies that get both of us. Yeah. Um, Exorcism movies don't do anything for me on a scare level. Same page. I'm just like, that's, I, I have no religious connection to this and just the notion of what it's doing. I think part of that comes from what Luke you said, the first, the Exorcist knocked it so out of the park where it's like, what else do you do with the genre? And the answer is, the answer to that is Exorcist 3. Um But <laughs> but outside of that, that, jump though, scare. Outside of that though, yeah, there's not a lot of like for me, a lot of great exorcist movies, and this is not one of them. And sure. But like, there's only so much you can really do with the genre, it feels like, because there's yeah. really anything that's done outside of the same stuff. Yeah. People, people floating, demons yelling stuff at you, vomit, vomit, vomit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's like, all right, we're pulling out all the hallmarks, I guess. But it just doesn't really pay off in any way. That's all I that can do here you know, the second the movie was starting and it, it said Screen Gems on it, something I didn't necessarily forget, but it just like the logo appeared. And I'm like, I feel like I know what I'm getting into here. <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. and that's not to say Screen Gems is always like bad, there are some gems within the Screen Gems lineup, but yeah. for the most part, I do think it sets a level of expectation. You think that's right, Luke? Do you think that's fair to say?
3: More or less, yeah. I mean, some better than others, obviously,
1: but yeah, it gives you an idea, yeah. Any uh, anything else to
0: highlight? I think
3: goes? Uh, I the think... gratuitous nudity that suddenly comes <laughs> in at the end. Maybe
0: I was <laughs> like, "Wow, they're really going for something here." <laughs> um, I think that covered when I was... in blood. Yeah, one of them. One of them not, but yeah, the other one, yes. Um, but I think that when I was first watching this movie, I was like, "Oh, I hope that this movie is uh, just like." the Vatican gives him a card and he has to go and kill an exorcist, like with all his weapons. And it actually kind of almost worked out that way. Um, If they had just kept going with that, that would have been fun. But yeah, I, I, it's not a whole lot for me to really tell somebody to go, you know, run out and see in theaters. Uh, But I do, I will give J- Julius Avery like some credit for some cool shots. Like I think that there's actually like this weird, like uh not weird, but it's, there's like this really cool shot with Russell Crowe toward the end of this movie where he sees like the Virgin Mary. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is actually pretty cool. Um, Just the way that it is uh, set up and the way that it is panning out. And some of the stuff happens, but yeah, there's also some really cool, you know, blood explosion in this movie as well.
1: I do like a good blood explosion, that's for sure. That's yeah, true. agreed. I <laughs> think this is one in the next movie as well. But, um, I there's a few in the next movie. Yeah, blood explosions were all the rage this week at the box office. <laughs> the John
3: Spencer Blood Explosion, my favorite band.
1: <laughs> um, what else? Oh, Franco Nero as the Pope. That's something That's I didn't right. see coming. <laughs> yeah,
0: that sort of tells you it's alt history
1: right there because that is
3: not John Paul II.
0: I'm like, this guy is a really cool looking pope. <laughs> I, like, I knew Franco Nero was in the movie, but I was like, he's the pope? Okay.
1: <laughs> not a thing I saw coming. I, I, I like that. To... Yeah. He was also. In it a lot more than I expected. It's like
0: the Pope really true. has a large role in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. He was in it quite a bit, and he also gets a, a blood moment. So that's that was fun. Um to, to um yeah to speak more about I guess Crow and his choices of this movie. I feel
1: like I don't know if the movie missed out on being more fun, because I don't know how you do that in a movie like this necessarily. Right. But yeah. did you guys like he he certainly like had a, a sense of humor about himself. Which I think includes the fact that he rides a Vespa around. Did you like
0: appreciate him trying to bring some levity, I guess, to a film like this? I did. And and that's kind of where like the Russell Crowe movie star thing kicks in, is uh he actually is very compelling this movie, like given uh how limited uh his his uh character's expansion is. Uh but he does a pretty good job of just being like, hey, you know, I've got some past demons too. And again, that's where it becomes like this drama, and that drama is actually pretty interesting at times. Uh, and his his humor mixed into it kind of just makes for a more fleshed out character. Because hey, man, we saw Damien Bashir in the Nun, uh, and I was like, what a waste of a role of for Damien Bashir. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's just like Father Nun guy. He's like we've got to get out of this unholy oh, I hope place. His name was Father
1: Nun guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: is he in the yeah. Nun Two? Nunning it up.
0: That's gonna come out next week, right?
1: It's coming out in September. Yeah. Okay. Um, he is. Not, yeah. I, though. I
0: thought that crow was bringing some, some extra to the table that just really helped the movie out. Because otherwise I think we all would have been sitting here and just being like, this is just what a, what a waste.
3: I think you could have cut, I think you could have cut 15 minutes or so out of this movie easily and made it tighter. I sure. mean, it, it's, this movie is fundamentally not scary to me in any way. It's campy. It's ridiculous. You know, it's not, So his levity doesn't seem to me like comic relief. It's part and parcel of the whole thing, where the demon's also a cockney. You know, it's not the demon's voice in The Exorcist is scary and freaky and otherworldly, and this demon sounds like he's the guy at the end of a bar asking you for another pint. You know, (laughs) and then a blowjob, obviously. He's Uh, gonna get kicked
0: out and beat the. They're gonna beat the shit out of him at the end of the (laughs) night. Yeah.
3: So I, the whole thing is ridiculous. But again, like I think you're all alluding to, there are slow parts in here that don't serve anything and right. just it, it's like an hour 43 minutes it should have been 90 at the most and then it would have been I think a stronger movie overall even as camp.
1: I was a bit surprised when I saw it, that it was out of the 90 range. I was like okay so there's more movie here than expected yeah. and I I yeah I could appreciate it if it like went pure for schlock but I, I, I get the idea that it's like well this was a guy like he existed he did right. stuff but the movie's just not and good he wrote enough. Books. To, yeah, you wrote, yeah. But the movie's just not good enough to get away with the things that it's trying to do overall. And I I would add that like the backstory he has that involves like World War II, Again, I get that this is based on a person. I don't know how true to life the backstory involving him is. But I will say, like, I got a similar version of this in both versions of the Exorcist prequel of Stellan Skarsgard. So it's like, well. I have seen tragic world war II priest backstory before, so that's not doing much for me. Uh, beyond. Disagree. You don't
3: even need to see much of it to get the idea. I mean, all yeah. I need to know is that there was a woman in his past who died. That's really enough. And, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And he was like really holding on to that. Cause he just was like the, the science will take it over. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for you guys just around, uh, uh, it's, it's box office numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, was this the movie that you're saying that didn't do as well, or is no, Ren- the no Renfield did worse because Renfield cost okay. sixty five million dollars
1: for some reason, where this movie cost like eighteen because it's a horror movie and they don't yeah, cost that yeah. much. Okay, got it. So okay. It did pretty deep, and it's already done like twenty overseas. So like. A movie like this that doesn't need to do that well to be successful is already successful. So if Luke is looking forward to the 199 sequels, we're on the right track to get that started. (laughs) (laughs) 199 loof balloons?
3: (laughs) It it also had a very unconventional uh, marketing strategy. I mean, I I know the producer, Jeff Katz, and he's been talking about this a little bit, is that they skipped most of the late-night TV talk shows and got Russell Crowe onto YouTube channels that have, massive amounts of subscribers
2: wow and then okay. they got him, on, they, got him on,
3: they got him on wrestlemania to introduce the cage match as a hologram version of himself yeah and they really sort of went to where the young people are and not sort of the traditional channels for the you know conventional movie publicity would go to so that seems to have paid off quite
0: well yeah i, I did curious. notice that he was like on twitter very heavily to promoting this like just like, hey guys, three more days until Pope's Exorcist, and just with like, a picture wow. of him
1: on the scooter. That's exactly,
0: that. yeah. He was having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, he.
1: I mean, I. He certainly knows the movie he's in. Like, I. Mean, so it's like I don't think it's beyond him as far as how to like show support for it. Yeah. I, I. I would add. I'm curious if like Smile's marketing campaign is rubbed off on these movies like this, where Smile did like unconventional stuff too, where it's like Susie Bacon. It's not exactly a huge star. It's, so, I like can't get, you know, you don't need to get her on all the talk shows in order to put a smile. But if you mm-hmm. put random people doing, you know, random like um, uh, performers doing evil smiles at sports games in, in great seats, in great seats where you see them on
0: camera right. for, you know, three hours, that's going to leave a mark. Like, yeah. You're like, what, why is that guy smiling in this bright yellow shirt? And, you know, that's, that's
1: not a lot of money, I, I assume, involved in that kind of publicity. So it's yeah. like, those are, these are, I'm curious about these strategies that we're doing. I'll look forward to see what, what um what ships they pack with vampires for the last voyage of the meter in August. Get the marketing for that movie up. Any other thoughts on the Pope's Exorcist before we wrap up?
3: I did think the the opening exorcism was a little weird in that they went full horror movie makeup for the guy, and then they did make it look like the pig actually went evil, and then afterwards he's like, "Oh, that was a fake." Yeah. Like, can you tell you mind telling us how that was a fake just because he didn't know your name? That was it, even though the makeup and the special effects all suggested it was real.
0: yeah,
1: the movie tr- the movie was tricking the audience also <laughs> oh, yeah it, it yeah. was it was convincing us that it was real. Oh, I like man. that the the version I guess mild spoiler like there's a there's a there's a version of this where the kid. That's that's possessed in this movie for the majority of the movie Uh when that's not a factor anymore. And he presumably goes back because like there's a there's even a tag that's like, yeah, he he you know, he's recovering and everything. And it's like so like when he goes to like P.E., is he going to have like a big scar his chest that says God is not here? I wondered (laughs) all of this,
0: too. (laughs) And again, these are like unanswered questions or uh, uh, unanswerable questions. But I had the same question. I was like, hey, does he just like. Have like a, a bunch of scars on his face now. Does he have like the the memories of just like trying to kill his mom and his sister? Like, yeah, I was possessed once. And like even even <laughs> like uh, even like uh, his his sister. Like, does she have memories now of like trying to kill her mom and like biting people's ears and stuff? Like, this is this is a lot to take in.
1: What happened to you? Oh, I fell down some stairs. I got a cool scab on my elbow. What yeah. happened to you? Uh oh, the devil tried to take me down to his level <laughs> in some kind of in some kind of conspiracy plot related to the Spanish Inquisition. You know Mondays. Um, <laughs> well why should people go and see the pope's exorcist it's now playing in theaters hey when should people see this movie this is an hbo movie uh you can wait for for hbo uh luke
3: uh streaming although in my review i sort of said you know if you want a 420 movie there are enough dead spots you can go outside and take a smoke break so <laughs> there's that <laughs> but no don't pay for this
1: yeah, I would say streaming as well. This would be Sony, so we'll go on Netflix eventually, sure. and uh, that's the place to watch it. <laughs> there yeah. you go. If you want to get you know fix a Russell Crow, Um yeah, this this will do the job.
0: Would you guys have people over and just talk throughout this movie as you guys are watching it? Is it Probably. one of those kind of movies? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean,
1: that's assuming like the list of horror movies we could be watching. Like, is oh yeah, okay. no. Let's say you've, <laughs> you've
0: exhausted all your options, and this is the last one remaining.
1: Hope there's this guy on. Like, ah, oh, all right, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's just, yeah. like,
0: burn <laughs> it. King
1: Bear
3: is on streaming now. I just watched that for the first time, and that is by far a better option.
1: It's a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, there's uh, I, I a... Can, I can see what you're saying, Abe. I mean, yeah, it, it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, all right, well, Great. let's move on now. Let's get to our next review for Renfield.
0: Sorry to interrupt. Are you okay? I need to get out of a toxic relationship. Why don't you start by telling us what brought you
3: here? My boss, he's different. You can't get him out of your head. No. I need your assistance. I'm coming, master! Oh, you feel like he could destroy you with the snap of his fingers? Wouldn't even need to snap. Ah! Okay. Uh huh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, what? Renfield,
2: bring in innocent victims. I want a handful of nuns,
3: a busload of cheerleaders. And I just want a normal life again. But this modern world is a dangerous place.
1: Okay, that should have been some of the trail for Renfield. Seemingly serving as a canonical follow-up to the 1931 Dracula starring Bela Lugosi, Nicolas Cage is now Count Dracula, and Nicholas Holt is his servant and familiar for life, Renfield. It's now modern day, and the cycle remains the same. Someone eventually hunts down Dracula, they get in some good hits, but Dracula somehow survives and is nursed back to help by Renfield, who takes in fresh bodies for Drac on his to, to feast on. Drac? Drac, you know, Drac's back. Uh, searching for victims through a self-help group for persons in codependent relationships, Renfield realizes he needs to break off this toxic relationship with Dracula. Problems arise when Renfield finds himself tied up with mobsters and a good cop played by Aquafina. Fortunately, Renfield gets some of Dracula's powers by eating bugs, but will that allow him to take down criminals and break it off with Dracula for good? This film was based on a story by The Walking Dead's Robert Kirkman, and it's directed by the Lego Batman movie's Chris McKay. Luke, I'm curious, what did you think of Renfield?
3: I, you know, I like that you know, Robert Kirtman does The Walking Dead and their whole line with The Walking Dead, it's not about the zombies. The people are The Walking Dead. This movie is completely about the gore. It is not about the people so much at all. It's like trauma level on an expensive budget. It makes Mortal Kombat, the game, look kind of mild. I was a little worried about bringing my wife to it, but because it's so comedic, she sort of went with it. I think the uh, canonical... 1931 sequel thing plays really tongue-in-cheek so i don't really find it canonical to be. it's more like a spiritual sequel to vampire's kiss like what if peter lowe the utter failure as a toxic boss and as a vampire managed to become a successful boss and a vampire he's had a couple of decades to do it right he still has kind of that fake english accent remaining and <laughs> is harassing dudes instead of women this time uh but this is also this is sort of an example of you know what our friend scott mendelson talks about about how what film twitter obsesses with isn't necessarily what anyone else obsesses with where there's this cult of nicholas cage of which i'm fully a part and it doesn't seem to be driving anyone to it but mm. for those of us who are in it this is great and the fact that he'd done some interviews where he said, I'm just a bit player. It's Nicholas Holt's movie. No, he's in it a lot. And I loved his overplaying relative to Holt's comedic underplaying, which is a, he underplays it in a very English, very funny way. That reminds sure. me of some people I went to school with.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and uh, I also, it's got sort of the aesthetic of a Rocky movie with these broad colors. And then these splashes of blood everywhere, it just it completely lacks the sexuality but then what movie doesn't these days uh, i feel bad for aquafina that she's always like the female lead but just the best friend in half these movies uh, but to me it was it's a real good time uh, i had a blast with it i understand why other people wouldn't although as i said to someone else if in the abstract you told me do you want to watch a vampire movie or an exorcism movie? I'm gonna pick the vampire movie because exorcism movies are all the same and none of them are as good.
2: Sure.
3: Um this has this has, you know, some nifty things. You know, the old the much younger me who was obsessed with Dracula Canon would have said, you know, oh that should be Jonathan Harker, not Renfield. Renfield doesn't do that. I'm cool with it. You know, <laughs> that in the nineteen thirty-one movie. Uh it's You know, Nick Cage doing Dracula, impersonating Bella Lugosi in ridiculous flashbacks that he's digitally superimposed in, and then (laughs) doing his English accent, sort of doing the Cage drawl, and then when we first see him, he's this horrible mutant under latex, and you know, you're (laughs) like, oh, can anyone act through that? Yes, Nicolas Cage is going to act through that and emote through that. Uh, This sort of movie is made for me. I don't know if it's made for anyone else.
0: Okay. Well, hey, was this movie made for you? You know, uh, Renfield suffers from kind of like an overarching and somewhat like police drama that uh, uh, employs Agafina to to kind of get everything going. Um, it also has like a lot of like editing choices that I think are questionable. Um, like like almost like the movie makers were just like, let, let's let like throw in a whole bunch of stuff in here um, and didn't really know what else to do. So they just had like a lot of quick cuts. Um, and uh, I might've fucking loved it. <laughs> like, it's, 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 uh, I think Nick Cage is terrific as Dracula and, and he's doing a lot of really like what it seems like over the top acting. But to be honest, like it's just really like on brand for a Dracula type guy who just like really holds himself in high, high regard and a Nick Cage and, and Nick Cage. Exactly. And who doesn't love Nicholas Holt as like a down on his luck kind of guy? Like, We've all seen uh, him being like a cool, suave, debonair guy, or being, have we? <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking more of just like maybe like one movie, but you know, we, we've also seen him as like you know Hank McCoy, Hank McCoy, uh, as yeah, like Hank McCoy, yeah, Beast, Beast, and uh, just being like a smart guy. But he does really, really well when he's just like a, a a fumbling, like trying to like not a loser guy, but like you know a guy who's just like has like some some social insecurities uh and he's just trying to be like a fun cool guy and I think that there's like a lot of absurdity in this movie that I laughed at loud a lot uh of the time and I'm glad that my audience joined me in that too like there's some times where I think that I was like probably laughing at like um a joke that maybe was like very quick on the screen, but everybody else had a really really good time as well and I will say that there are um some things that sort of dragged in this, like the way that we talked about Pope's exorcist, where there's just like some elements that you probably could have done without. But beyond that, I was just like, I wonder who wrote this. Like, was this like the comedy bang bang guys that wrote this? Cause there's some really fun, absurdist humor in here that I really, really enjoyed a lot. Um, I
1: liked this movie. <laughs> you go. Uh, it's funny because like just last week, uh, when I was uh, rightfully complaining about the Super Mario Brothers movie, as far as what it did wrong, um, a big issue I had was that it just doesn't try at all. And it would be fine if I if like the lack of story was at least you know like if it was offset by the fact that the jokes landed. This is a movie where the plot is bad, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But the but the I think the gags and the stuff, the acting, I think that all works in its favor. So it's like. I can get past the thinness of this i concept of a movie because I like the stuff in it. I yeah. I like watching these characters for the most part. I I think this the the stuff connecting them is whatever. But like, hey, we got Nick Cage's Dracula, Nicholas Holt is right. Like that's fun. Like there's a lot of fun here. It's very comic booky in a way that I appreciate. It. It's very colorful and lively. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Action. There's a lot. There's a lot of action for a movie like this that I was not expecting the amount of action there is, but like, hey, you know what? It's shot pretty well, uh, which is not too surprising because I, I quite enjoyed. Uh, well, I think we all enjoyed the legal Batman movie, but I quite enjoyed the Tomorrow War as well, as far as Chris McKay's films go. Um, the <laughs> The the bloodiness of it all really caught me off guard. Like this is a bloody movie. <laughs> like, this is a really gory. It's like trying to outdo Evil Dead a week before an Evil Dead movie actually comes out, which was impressive. <laughs> um, but I no, I got a I got a lot of fun out of like the stuff going on here. I will say, and I've, I I've, I think I've been saying this since what's the Johansson movie? Uh, Lucy. Um, I've been saying this oh, since yeah, Lucy. Yeah. I'm so tired of. Let's throw the mob at it as, like, the writing theme to, like, connect things together. As uh-huh. if, like, there's no other way to tell this story than if the mob is involved. And It's, like, once again, like, this story of of a the of a man who's in this codependent relationship with Dracula uh, does not need to have, and then the crime bosses are involved also as, like, a way to, like, keep this thing going. I feel like there's a good way you could make, like, an interesting kind of, like, three-way rom-com out of this as far as, like, Renfield and, like, Aquafina's character, like, trying to, like, move on, but, like, that damn Dracula's always with us. Sure. Uh, Like, there's something there. Now, I'm not gonna judge the movie I didn't see. I'm gonna judge the movie I watched, and it's like, okay, that's not the plot, but it's like, do we need crime bosses and stuff? And it's like, well, it's an action movie, I guess, so, yes, this is the way we get to that, but I don't know, it's whatever. I honestly, like, I don't think is very good here. I don't think she's, like, bad, but I think she's just straddled with a character that's just not, like... Because she has to deal with all this crime stuff, I don't care. Like, so it's like her character has to both be funny, because she's a comedian, and she can do funny things, but also have to, like, provide a dramatic arc as far as like her father was killed by mobsters and she has a sister she cares about and stuff. It's like, okay, like I don't whatever. <laughs> this is this is boring stuff. I don't need this. Meanwhile, yeah. like Ben Schwartz is Ben Schwartzing it up. And it's like, that's entertaining enough. And then he gets to Ben Schwartz it up even more, like factor 10. Yeah. And then like Sharia Agadash who's in here and I'm thinking she must like vampire movies or really want to work with Nick Cage. I don't know what else she's doing here. This Academy Award winning Iranian actress, but good for her. Get that money. Sure. Um so it's like, okay, all this stuff adds up to, like, a mess of a movie that I still, like, quite enjoyed and had fun with.
0: Yeah. We talked about this uh, a few weeks back where um, – I forget what movie, but uh, it was better than this. But just that, hey, you know what? It's crazy when you get, like, characters that are uh, movie movie stars that are movie stars and also characters that you enjoy and, like, sing on screen that you care for. And they actually will carry a movie for you, you know. And that's kind of the the case here cuz I grew through that Nicholas Cage and and Nicholas Holt are probably the two more more interesting it's the most interesting thing about this movie. Sure. Um, as we go through there uh you know you've got to get some plot some hey, some way somehow. But yeah, I would have enjoyed seeing like there if you guys stay through the credits, there's like it seems like there was like a dance number with Nicholas Holt that they cut out of the movie and I was like I want to see a full like 2 hours of this movie that they just like were the ideas that they threw at this movie. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: Uh, question for you guys,
1: yeah,
0: Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Uh, I think that you guys are mentioning, or you know, Luke, you were talking about Bella Lugosi style and what have you. Do you, what you guys think of just like Nicolas Cage as like the Prince of Darkness? I, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with Luke as far as
1: he's given these. Various stages of makeup, and some are very extreme. Yeah, I was I was impressed with how he made that work, and how I was impressed with the look of it for one thing too. I thought it was you know seeing a practical effect like that, costume and makeup design. I thought that, but like seeing him like he's playing you know the the most you know the most Dracula, like the most like version of Dracula. It's like okay, how do you pull that off? And it's like I like that you have stages of him. I thought there's just some if we're gonna do Dracula again, like how do you make that interesting. And it's like well you have Cage so automatically it's going to be interesting, but I think the the way the things they gave him to play with, I guess is what I'm saying, I thought mm-hmm. that yeah. that worked well in his favor as far as doing something different with a character that's been played so many times on screen. Yeah.
3: I also think without uh, naming names, I think in the news right now there is a major toxic narcissist figure and his former assistant trying to free himself from him and I thought the parallels with that were quite interesting
0: too. <laughs> I also okay. just want to add briefly that I like the the on screen use of Dracula's powers, uh, which I haven't really seen a ton of, or at least you know uh, multiple, because I was I like the way that he transforms into bats here, and also like his like his smoke his smoke uh, powers as well, um, given that he's got to do some action sequences here. Uh, I so I agree with
1: you as far as it's neat seeing powers because they're vampires cool yeah. power, whatever I, I like seeing different horror movies where they can. Where for one, they, they remember that it's like we can do whatever we want, it's a movie, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Like, who yeah. cares? Um, so I always like seeing the rules that they apply to these ones, vampires in particular, because there's so many different kinds of like vampire movies with vampire rules and what have you. It's like, okay, right. so how's this one work? And I like seeing that explored. That said, I, I have no idea how a lot of these things work. Like, like the bug thing with Redfield, it's like, does it, I, I assume it lasts only a certain time, but like, I I was. It felt so inconsistent to me that it's like I'm trying not to think about this too hard. But okay, what? Sure. Well,
3: I think you, it's like in one of those video games, like Final Fight, where you're walking down the street and there's a, you know, a roast turkey.
1: Uh huh.
3: And it's you, you know, you collect them and then you get hit and you lose energy. You find another roast turkey or a can of something. And the, the, I think the bugs function that way.
1: I, yeah. And like bigger bugs give you more power. (laughs) Uh, I see. Okay. I just, I just wish the movie did more. I don't know how you do more of that, but I I don't know. I I don't know what I'm asking. for. And the movie's like 90 minutes. So it does feel like it's cut to the bone as far as getting to the point of a lot of these things. So maybe there are more good bug related details or other stuff, but like that in general, I do think there's just a, it does just enough to get the idea. It's like, and if you make a super circle, you can trap back Dracula or like stuff like that, where it's like, all right, <laughs> whatever, like, we'll just gotta kind of go with it. Yeah. But it was a question I kept, like, fighting myself on. It's like, wait, how does this, like, if you think about it too much, it's going to, like, break your brain. But as it stands, it's like, all right, cool, vampire powers. Let's see what yeah.
0: happens. Yeah, vampire powers. And also, uh, it's not as though the bats don't do anything. Like, they're actively pushing people out of the way. <laughs> um, I uh, had a question for you guys just around. Um... Aaron, you sort of talked about this with, like, uh, there's been a lot of reviews that have said that this is totally uneven, like Aquafina just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in here, like um, there's a, a dramatic story plot, uh, but I, I think from the assessment of what we've all given it, where it was enjoyable, some parts are more enjoyable than others, like, is that, is that a valid criticism? Just like, hey, uh, you should be, this almost goes back to the Supermarket Brothers movies, like, you should have your critical lenses on you all the time, or is it one of those things where you can, you you should be a little bit more not dismissive of, but you you could be a little bit more stringent at sometimes with the type of movie that you're watching.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's what the Pope's exorcist reminds me of. I mean, are you not entertained? Like that's the question I think I generally ask myself with a movie that I'm watching. Right. It's like if I if I'm entertained by what's happening or intrigued or curious, I'm happy to explore why. But like ultimately, like does it leave me satisfied with? what I've watched regardless of what that goes up against or what have you, you can apply all kinds of different context to it but at the end of the day it's did I enjoy this thing that I will put my eyes on mm-hmm. and in that regard it's like yes I'm always critical. like I'm always gonna be like critical of something to some degree as far as I'm gonna analyze it in a certain way I it's not I can't say it's more or less fair to it's like yeah I'm watching them I'm either gonna like it or I'm not gonna like it <laughs> it's yeah. my job to determine why but uh, Luke, what do you think of this
3: uh, well i think any criticism is valid if it's honest yeah um yeah. Okay. for me i like aquafina in movies i wasn't familiar with her before she started doing movies but i've i found her very entertaining in this as usual when she's you know yelling fuck you, Kyle at her coworkers and stuff like that i thought i thought she was very funny so those parts did not seem any less entertaining to me i i didn't feel like the mob stuff was too infringing on anything it was it felt barely there and okay if you're gonna have the mob and you're gonna have you know an iranian woman at the top of it that's mm-hmm. something different at least it's, sure. it's yeah. not who you'd expect to see in that role so yeah. it's, and you know a powerful matriarch giving off you know strong evil female energy versus strong evil male energy from dracula i think uh, you know, there's there's something there i, I
1: on the same weekend that. as mama mafia no less too so tony really- collette <laughs> friend of
0: the show
3: I did say before, I felt this movie was pretty sexless for Dracula, who is usually, which is in keeping with Stoker, honestly. Stoker's Dracula isn't as, you know, attractive and seductive as most movies make him. But at the same time, I felt there could have been more, given this kind of exploitational take on it. There could have been more sparks, whether, you know, between the Kingpin and Cage or between Apofina and Holt. There wasn't really any of that. Maybe l- I maybe like seen a little bit more. Not not a deal breaker, but yeah. Uh,
1: what else? Um, I I mentioned Ben Schwartz, but did you guys like Ben Schwartz in this movie?
0: Yeah, I thought that he was actually going to be really annoying, and he kind of is at first. But then again, his comedy bang bang stuff kicks in, and he's just like, "This is Ben Schwartz," and now he's able to to do like off the wall Ben Schwartz, which is probably the most fun Ben Schwartz, right? A- aside from like. Uh, probably his reserve more sonic things versus voice acting. But um, you know, when he's doing this and stuff like uh in um uh Parks and Rec for or for for Entertainment 720, like uh you know that kind of Ben Schwartz is fun. Yeah. It's John Ralphio. John Raphael, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh there's another question I had for you guys just in relation to um like all of, like the funny uh Luke you talked about it where it's like they they're kind of like Face mashing, um not face mashing but superimposing Nicolas Cage's Dracula no, this, face. Is, this is what a different direction than what I thought you were going to say. Okay, no, so no. I hear it's face smashing and I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, superimposing Nicolas Cage on like a bunch of like uh, old Dracula lore stuff. And I, I, I want to give them credit and I'm curious if you guys take them just like, hey, well, I think that they're actually doing a lot of legwork here from a historical perspective. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. They were just like, hey, yeah. Nosferatu, Dracula, Bela Lugosi, like all that stuff. Like it's been Nicholas Cage the whole time, um. So uh, credit to them, not so much a question, I guess, more just a comment. Credit to them for actually getting a whole bunch of like fun, uh, Dracula lore and just putting it on the screen.
1: That's another area where it feels like, like Ben Schwartz says at one point, it's like I got the Dracula, the real fucking Dracula. It's like wait, so in. Does Dracula exist in pop culture in a world where Dracula actually does exist? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I needed that question answered, but at the same time, I was like, "How does this work? Like, is this one of those scenarios where like they just happen <laughs> to have an actual Dracula in a world where Dracula exists?" And you know, I saw this in the theater,
3: not at a press screen So the Voyage of the Demeter trailer was in front of it. Yeah, and it's like, okay, Universal, I guess, saw Warner Brothers. are like, we're going to have two Batman as well. Um, and it's it's funny we ran the, ran the trailer on superhero hype and the way the Demeter Dracula's ears look from behind everyone was like that's not Dracula that's Wolverine because it looks like Wolverine's <laughs> mask that's the superhero hype audience um so it's interesting that they're they're had this movie done better I don't think we're going to see a Renfield sequel but they were definitely putting out. Two Draculas simultaneously. No, these are, these are both Universal. The these are
1: both Universal movies.
3: Yeah, and they're trusting the audience to make the distinction between both because everybody knows what a multiverse is now. Which uh-huh. I thought was I thought that was that's kind of interesting. So Nicholas Cage is not the only Dracula in even in Universal at the moment. <laughs>
1: And I'm
0: sure Luke Evans is still haunting hallways, too, waiting for that dark universe <laughs> to kick back in. I was going to say, like, you know, with Russell Crowe doing his Pope's Vatican and this movie, it's like maybe the maybe the dark universe is back out alive.
1: It's been almost long enough we can call it Dracula Retold when they re-release that Dracula film. Retold, <laughs> 2024. Um, um, I do like Holt in this movie, by the way. I think sure. we talked much about the lead of this yeah. film. <laughs> I do think I agree with you as far as saying, you know, he's playing this kind of – or he's underplaying this kind of meek man who's also – I, what I think works is that he, you know, he's a tall guy. He's a big, lanky guy, and mm-hmm. he can use that you can use that kind of physicality to do a number of different things. And I think the way he's able to make himself look, you know kind of shy and anxious as well as being capable in fights, yeah. i I don't think that's an easy thing to necessarily that's pull incredible off that's an incredible observation. So like the fact the that I, yeah, the fact that I can believe that not only is he anxious a lot, but also he can hold his own in these, you know, fights, like that's pretty good. That's that's solid on his part as far as yeah the film being able to make that work and him making that work. And and as far as like his comedy goes, yes, it's very like befuddled Englishman, but, and, but I like how that plays with these characters. I like this, the scenes of the self-help group, I think are great. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and that that's like the, the best use of that premise, especially once like Dracula gets involved as well. Like there's, I think that stuff is really, really clever. Like that's why I'm giving this movie so much credit because I do like these, you know, when it's really leaning in on the, subversive comedy stuff like i think it it's actually pretty clever at doing yeah. that. Uh, that 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 doesn't like in the action i think it's fine it's just like it's not the thing where i'm like i need this in my life also it's just more like i like the concept that
0: they're going for here yeah I, I didn't think that the action was you know what they're going for super as well either but i i definitely loved the cleverness of the movie in all aspects right we just talked about all the the jokes about you know uh nicholas cage being nicholas cage but also at the same time like yeah like it, there there's a lot of um i guess we were to break it down and we, which we're not gonna do but um just the whole entire like well why is he in the support group oh because he needs victims and the victims are not the people in the support group they're the people that have been hurting these people in the support group so let me go get those people that's that's a fun like little wrinkle in the way that you know these support groups would work or again the, the joke that I, I really enjoyed a lot uh was how did Dracula get into his apartment? It's because he has a welcome come in, Matt. And he looks <laughs> at it, and then the camera cuts to hit the down and they back up, and he just, like, sighs. And i was like, this is fucking hilarious. And, like, the visual gag that I really liked, and Aaron and I talked about this uh, sort of off mic. Um, I'm not going to give it away, but there's a visual gag in a huge fight sequence uh, that we saw in a Red Band trailer. And it was very mcgruber Mac- Mac- esque and I, was, I fucking laughed my ass off at this. So, again, very clever stuff, and I'm glad that These people were able to make a cohesive Dracula folklore as well as like a pretty like funny movie. But again, they kind of just gets weighed down by this extra stuff that they have to do just to like pad it out to like a 90 minute runtime. I will,
1: I I will add that in the realm of the violent things taking place, I do enjoy a good rip the arm off and then beat the guy off the arm. (laughs) Yes, Like that's, that's always entertaining to me.
3: (laughs) I assume the gag you don't want to spoil involves Dracula's choice of ideal victims and, how the hypothetical becomes real in a ridiculous way.
0: That. And also it involves like Renfield kind of like bugging out and like, you know, killing fools in the er, in, in, at his apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there, there's like some really good stuff there. And I, I, what do we like that blood play is like, it's fine. Like it's, it's completely, uh, it makes sense for the movie that we're watching here. So that's why I was like, Hey, you know, if you like movies like The Wolf of Snow Hollow, or like um, even uh where uh, where cop, right? Where wolf cop? Wolf cop. Thank wolf you. Cop. Sorry, we had were... the director on the show. Where cop? Yeah. Uh, if you like things like where cop? cop? Yeah. Were, were, uh, where? Where? Um, but yeah, things like that. Where it's like it's it's like they know what movie that they're making, and I'm glad that they accepted it. Uh, so everybody in the in the group accepted it, the filmmakers and also the the actors involved.
3: I actually think that maybe because we've had this lockdown for so long that sort of cathartic gore fests are coming next as a trend because the evil dead trailer certainly ahead of Renfield suggested that. And also with the lockdowns and the pandemic, you had a lot of people finally sort of saying no to toxic bosses who were demanding way too much and demanding people work sick and demanding people come in. And so I feel like Renfield's kind of tapping into this, that a little bit, but I don't know if it's going to, if enough people are going to see it, for it to feel like it's in their zeitgeist, but I do think there are trends here that we're going to see a little bit more of in horror for a while.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, when should people go
0: and see Renfield? Now.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a the dollar theater in our old rating system. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I would agree.
1: I think I think it's worth seeing, but yeah, you know, a dollar theater—it's not the worst place to go catch a matinee screening. It's it's certainly fun. Alright, well, we've talked a lot about exorcisms and Draculas. Now it's time for a what um what time is it here? Oh
0: I think it's time for a quick game. Little known fact, that's actually the tune that plays when Renfield is carrying those three dead bodies to uh to Nicholas Cage. And um, you know, the head actually is like that little tail end there at the end. Aaron uh, did the score very, very well. I I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. it was. Chris it was McKay great. was like, he vetoed at the last second. But... I mean, who does he think he is? Adam? Nailed it. <laughs> I've got a game for you guys. This week. It's called <laughs> Vampire Codependent Support Group. This is, this no, is a, a game. Pope game? <laughs> <laughs> this is a game where you guys have to talk about your codependencies and the, the villains. No, no. This is a game where I will read you a clue. About a vampire, and I'd like you to buzz in with your name and tell me who played that vampire in this movie. So, again, just buzz in, tell me the name of the actor or actress that plays this vampire. The clues are going to actually be very, very um, straightforward. So, be on your buzzer. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. First one here. Hi there. I'm Jerry, the vampire from Fright Night. Uh, Luke.
3: Luke. <laughs> Is it Chris Sarandon?
1: Not
0: Chris Strandon.
1: Aaron, Aaron. So it's the remake then Colin Farrell.
0: Colin Farrell (laughs) is correct. Uh, The next one here. Hi, my name is Adam and I'm so tired of being alive for such a long time and only lovers left alive. Aaron, Uh, Aaron, Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston is correct. Uh, Next one here. Hello, my name is Dracula from Bram Soakers, Dracula. Luke. Luke. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman is correct. Uh, next one here. Hi, my name is Vladislav, and I live with three other vampires in What We Do in the Shadows. They drive me crazy. Aaron. Aaron. Taika Waititi? Taika Waititi is incorrect. <sighs> okay. Luke for the Steel, Vladislav in What We oh. Do in the Shadows.
3: Oh, God, his his name's on the top of my tongue. The Flight of the Concords, dude. Um, God, what's his name? Uh, I'm I'm spacing on it. I know who the guy is, but.
0: Aaron for the Steel? It's Ronald Chevalier, but I know it's not that.
1: It's uh, Jermaine, Jermaine Clement.
0: Jermaine yes. Clement is correct. That is Vladislav. Vigo is the name of Vigo's uh, Taika character. TV. Yeah. All right. uh, the next one here. Hi, my name is Armand, and I help Brad Pitt's Louis kill some vampires in Interview with a Vampire. Armand. Oh, Luke. Luke.
3: Is that Antonio Banderas?
0: That is Antonio Banderas. Yeah, Armand. <laughs> uh, next one here. Hi guys, I don't want to scare you, but I'm Buffy from the movie, and I promise I'm not here to kill you. Luke. Luke. Christy Swanson. Christy Swanson is correct. So not a vampire. Yeah, vampire hunter. <laughs> but again, she's there to just do reconnaissance. She's not there to kill anybody. Uh next one here. Hello. My name is Graf Orlock. But you might know me as Count Orlock. Luke. Luke. <laughs> Max Shrek. Max Shrek is correct.
1: I like this. You chose. He chose an accent for
0: this. <laughs> He's old. <laughs> He's dead. He's not, not English. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I could have gotten German. Hello, my, my name is Glafur Lock. Uh, next one here. Uh, my name is Victor with a K. Uh, the women I cared for fell in love with a lichen and decided to cut off my face with an ancient sword after running out of bullets. Luke. Aaron, Luke. Uh, uh, is it? Bill Nye, Bill Knight, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those Likens getting his face cut off. Uh, next one here. Hi there. My name is Peter Lowe and uh, Luke. I don't, uh, Luke. <laughs> oh, this is Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is correct. Uh great. Next one here. There's only a couple more. I'm Blade, motherfucker. Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Uh, the Daywalkers in the support group. And the last one here. Hi, my name is Dr. Michael Warbius. At your service. It's Luke. <laughs> Aaron. Jared Leto. Jared Leto is correct. Aaron, that was a furious comeback you had there with the last two, but Luke, you are the winner of this week's game for Vampire Go. was that possible? <laughs> I thought,
3: thought for sure Aaron had more, but uh, You it. had
0: six and Aaron had five. So, good job. <laughs> it was that close. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty <laughs> close. Good job on knowing all your uh, actors and actresses that have played vampires or uh, vampire hunters.
3: And I need to see Only Lovers Left Alive. I
0: never, I missed oh. that one completely. Oh, that wow. was, that's, there's, there's another vampire in there that he's, uh, he's married to.
1: That's, uh, probably my favorite vampire movie of the past decade and change. Like, I think the movie's excellent. Um, yeah, see that. Yeah, check it, it out. Ten, it turns 10.
0: Who's, <laughs> who's the, who's the, uh, girl vampire that they introduce? Mia, what?
1: We well, well, yeah, we have we have Tom and Tilda. Then you have Mia Wasikowska. Wasikowska, and yeah, you yeah. have the the late, sadly Anton Yelchin uh, in right. there as well as their friend. Yeah, that's the best that's way right. to
0: put it. <laughs> yeah, Luke, check it out. Will do. Oh, it's Pier Jarmusch. It's great. Um, all right. Just so tired of being alive. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well,
1: that was that was our game. Thanks for the game, babe. Yeah, you're welcome. And now we're gonna get to some out now feedback.
0: Feedback. Feedback. Feedback.
1: This is where I go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash podcast. We ask a number of questions of listeners, and they give us some answers. And, uh, yeah, Luke, feel
0: free to throw in any answers you might have as we go through these. Yeah, I, the think, I,
3: answered, I think I already answered one because I didn't know I was
0: going to be on the show. So. You did. Oh, that's okay, because uh, when we get to it, I'm going to do my Luke my best Luke impression and say it out loud. Uh, the first All question right. here is, uh, what's your favorite unhinged Nicolas Cage performance? April writes, face off. Chris has Mandy. Philip has Raising Arizona, and Todd Libanel has Deadfall. Favorite unhinged Nicholas Cage.
3: I actually have an article at the AV Club that uh, answers this, because it ranks all his performances.
1: (laughs) I will be sure to link to that in the show notes.
3: And increasing levels of craziness. It's ranking ranking his classics in terms of crazy. Um, So Vampire's Kiss is it for me, but Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans is a close (laughs) second. And a good dry run for him, basically doing a Universal monster movie in that one.
1: I um, I I do I I would say Vampire's Kiss as well. I'd add that I do think Mandy. I like how it it needs to ramp up to why he would become unhinged because mm-hmm. I I really like how much of that movie is a slow burn. Um, but then I'll also add, Matchstick Man is one of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies. I think yeah. that excellent and one of my favorite really Scott movies. It's not necessarily an unhinged cage performance, but there is a point where he's off his meds. There's a couple points where he's off his meds, but there's one point where he's in a pharmacy and he's trying to get his meds. And another man's behind him, tries to interrupt him, and he just unleashes on him with all his <laughs> cage rage. And it's just the, it's like, if you want to see Nicholas Cage unhinged in like a normal setting, this is it. <laughs> this is what that looks like, and it's really wonderful. <laughs>
0: Uh, you guys, those are some good answers. You guys are all wrong. It's actually Nicolas Cage and Moonstruck because he has a, a wooden hand.
3: Oh, and there's no hinge in it. I get, I got it.
1: <laughs> I see what I you wasn't even going for that, but thank you. <laughs> Mo- like, it, it, I saw a clip of him, and he he wrote this. He wrote that he did the same thing in like a his interview from like when he was doing Pig Press. As far as his uh-huh. favorite movies go, Um but he talked on Stephen Colbert about his five favorite Cage movies. And for one thing, I like that we share most of the same picks, <laughs> but, he, <laughs> but it, the guy knows this stuff. I, yeah. I, like, I like that he knows like he chose his indie movies, but, but but also like he like when you look at the amount of performance he's given, he has so many great ones. Like it's yeah, not I like agree. like Luke, you talk about the cult of cage. I, I would very much consider myself a part of that to whatever that means. But it's because I like his like him as a movie star
0: especially like it is, you know, not his VOD stuff.
1: There's just so much great things. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's so much I, work I, I really
0: appreciated him. And again, like, you know, depends on your mileage may vary and, and depends on how much you believe it. But he has had uh question and answers where he said, like, I'm always giving a hundred percent in all my movies, even if they're like the really small ones. Like I
3: actually believe it, you know, I, d- I don't because I've seen pay the ghost.
0: Pay the ghost. I have not seen this, so I'm gonna go check it out. And I'm gonna be like, Nicholas Cage fucking
1: that me. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I could, I can agree with Luke as far as yeah, there's like one or two or three sure. that are like, okay, this is not like you doing your thing. Yeah, but again, just, my like, it, may vary, but like for a man that's done as many movies as he has to say that he's generally a hundred percent committed to something is saying something. Like, I think yeah, that's, yeah. That's, it's a lot more the case than it isn't. <laughs> so, that's
3: is true. I'm- <laughs> I and I, I I don't I don't say to sleep on his VOD stuff either because okay. between Between Worlds is fantastic and Willy's Wonderland is better than whatever Five Nights at Freddy's movie
1: is that we're gonna get.
0: Sure. Yeah, I I, I, don't, I can
3: say boldly,
1: and I don't think that, I don't think Color Out of Space is necessarily right to VOD, but it certainly wasn't a huge theatrical release, and I think mm. that movie is fantastic. So I mean, yeah. There's yeah. plenty of like outliers in the realm right. of his VOD career. Yeah, I mean, let me know when you guys watch USS Indianapolis. It's directed by Mandela Van Peebles' father, Mario. So, I mean, I might go. See it.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad you now know a branch of Mario Van Peebles' family line. Now.
1: I like that he named his kid Mandela. Mandela. That's such a
0: bold fucking move. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my,
1: my father's the godfather <laughs> of black exploitation, and I named my son after Nelson fucking Mandela. So, there. <laughs> Isn't
3: that though, or did he name his
1: son that because he forgot him at one point? Okay. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he dated that. He, he didn't have, he just called him kid for a while until his son <laughs> forgot that that it was Berenstein Bears. He's like, okay, that's it. You're in Mandela now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next question we have here What actor, past or present, do you think would make for a good Dracula? Chris writes Steve Buscemi. And although Willem Dafoe's already been a vampire, he would make an awesome Dracula. Hmm. I replied by saying, well, he played Max Shrek in right. Shadow of the Vampire, who was Nosferatu, which is essentially Dracula. He's like, all right, well, so. <laughs> these connections. Keep writing in, Chris. Of course. I always have to have Chris respond here.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh Philip writes, Anthony Hopkins uh, and Christopher writes, in the past, Claude Rains. In the present, Michael Fassbender. Hmm. Who would make a good Dracula? Tommy Wiseau. <laughs>
0: That'd be incredible.
1: A great Joker, a great Dracula. What what can't this dad do?
0: I mean, like, you could argue that he actually already is Dracula in the room because he's also wearing sunglasses.
3: Well, and he also was supposed to have a flying vampire car in one draft, according to Greg Sestero.
0: I believe Greg. Uh, Who would make an awesome present day Dracula? Dracula? Um, Hmm. Who's the most serious actor uh, available? Adam Driver. Yeah, but, you know, he'd also... If he plays all of the characters in a Dracula movie, like, you know, the the hunter that's out to kill Dracula with the wooden stake, Dracula himself... Why would he right? play all the characters? Psst, he'd be an incredible Adam Driver machine. Yeah. <laughs> is uh, this a Squarespace commercial? You, <laughs> is that what you're referencing? No. <laughs> uh, give me Jude Hill from... Uh, from belfast belfast the little boy yeah exactly yeah yeah
1: he was just in something what was he in he was
0: he was an extra or not an extra but he was in um he was like in the balcony of of some movie that we just watched we just watched something because he's in the credits i'm like who's jude hill no i saw him in the movie and i was like that's jude hill and then the credits confirmed it oh man this is gonna gonna bug bug me me. yeah we need this we need this answer time. as you're looking it up i'll go to the next question here it's Dungeons and Dragons. That's the one, yeah. He he <laughs> plays like this kid in the stands. All right. Yeah, the question. episode
1: Luke was on last.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we all clearly are not paying attention enough. <laughs> uh, the next question here. What are some great films about bad relationships? Luke Thompson, friend of the show, has... Luke, do you remember what you wrote?
3: Your friends and neighbors.
0: There you go. Uh, Irene has Gaslight and The Invisible Man. Philip has The Unknown and The Red Shoes. That's a... Oh, red Shoes is a good answer. Um, movies about toxic relationships. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's a good one that hasn't said there. Uh, hmm.
0: Gone Girl. Oof. I mean, right when it. when Doogie Hauser gets his stuff happened to him, I was like, "What the fuck?" In the theater, I,
1: I like when the narration comes on and he goes, and that's when I got doogied. And then the music, theme, the theme song plays. Yeah. Do 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 do. His best friend comes out. Hey,
0: dog. (laughs) Remember when that exactly happened to God Girl? Those were the days. (laughs) Uh, Movies, great films have bad relationships
3: with Nail Uh, and I.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, Yeah, I can't think of anything else in my head. I mean, I guess Jurassic Park, because, you know, John Hammond just really wants uh, those dinosaurs and he doesn't really care that the people are dying until lord Ern's like john let's be real here what's the relationship he loves he loves he loves his dinos
1: we <laughs> <loves his> got? <laughs> uh, i just had one now i forgot it completely because of that <laughs> all right come back to you next question who is the scariest dracula who is the least threatening dracula Tyler mm. has Max Shrek in Nosferatu and Leslie Nielsen in Dracula, dead and loving it. <laughs> Scott writes, you can't beat De- Bela Lugosi's Dracula Abba and Abba Costello meet Frankenstein. There are no substitutes, but kudos to Lance Henriksen in Near Dark. It's not a Dracula, but all right. Uh, Philip writes, if it's okay to count Nosferatu as Dracula, to Dafoe in Shadow of the Vampire, and George Hamilton at Love It <laughs> Love First Bite. Wow. Who are the scariest and non- most at least frightening dracula
3: so the jack palance version of dracula is kind of scary Ooh.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I, tr- yeah if to you match are gonna Franklin, allow yeah. max shrek uh nosferatu I, I do enjoy that uh because it's just weird he's got some good energy uh, i
1: entirely i mean we talked about that in our commentary a few years yeah. ago but like i do like that he's just so otherworldly i like the, that uh, version of a dracula like that's such right. a neat like it, design an,
0: yeah exactly for like the 30s was it 30s 20 20s 20s yeah for the 20s like that was that's pretty cool he's like he's I, not even humanish
3: i would say you can count it because literally the copy of that on vhs that i watched at the usc cinema school library had subtitles that called him dracula not <laughs> there, him. You
0: <laughs> go. There, there you go there is a
3: canon version where he's dracula
0: yeah okay i'm gonna go with that then and least threatening you know he's such a good father but adam sandler in uh transylvania no,
1: no, that'd be my go-to as far as ones that weren't used yet because i would generally agree that like leslie nielsen as dracula is dracula's that's a that, good call though like it the pro like that movie which is not very good like the issue I have with it is I don't think he's, I think Leslie Nielsen is just such a low common denominator answer that Mel Brooks had for Dracula where it's like, you could have done something more creative than just get the guy that's popular in the spoof movies to sure. do this. Like, because I think other things work in there. I think Steven Weber is funny in there. I think Peter McNichol as like the Renfield type character is very funny, <laughs> or like the Harker type character, whatever. Um, But like Leslie Nielsen is like, ah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, he certainly has his, his moments because it's Leslie Nielsen. He's funny, but just not a it work. We were Dracula. It's
0: like, all right, that's enough about Dracula. Dead and loving it, it <laughs> would be that we talk about as much as Renny Harlan's the covenant uh, um, session here. Um, outside the exorcist. What's your favorite film involving an exorcism? Irene has the wailing and the medium. Chris has the exorcist three winky face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip has the wailing. And Christopher writes between Constantine and practical magic. There is an
1: exorcism in Practical Magic. That's right. That, that's remember. what you remember. Oh, yeah, there's like a there's like a demon plot in that movie in addition to it being like this speak- weird romantic witch drama. <laughs> like, uh, the Wailing is a good answer. The Wailing is a film that actually does do something interesting with exorcisms, which is, you know, neat.
3: I would say The Last Exorcist does something good, too. It's sort of the idea that the exorcism is luring the guy out there. Um,
2: interesting. Uh,
3: and the fact that it's... It's kind of, it's found footage, but when you think about who must have put it together, it's almost like a propaganda film that these crazy people put together for themselves. Uh, That's to me is the only other exorcism film besides The Exorcist I can think of that really does something different and interesting.
1: Hmm. I feel like the the found footage aspect is part of why I didn't like that movie, where it's like, I don't get this. (laughs) Like, how does this make sense to me? But of course, they made The Last Exorcism 2, a
0: title that in itself, defies what it's doing to begin with. <laughs> yeah. um, they should have just, again, like Luke mentioned, they should have been like, the, the, the next Exorcism, number 199 or
1: something. Yeah, I'll always know what you did last Exorcism.
0: <laughs> Part two.
1: Uh, last question we have here. What are some great films involving the Vatican? Hmm. Uh, Chris writes Stigmata, and Christopher writes A Man for All Seasons, The Da Vinci's Code, The, the Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, Beckett, uh, and The Shoes of Fishermen. i'll throw the it. two popes out there i really
3: like
1: that one i do yeah. like as much as i joke about that movie as far as the fact it that was academy award nominated it was but it's like i mean abe you know this they, they give you one pope and they give you another one for free that's just a good deal like yeah. i, lo- I, I it love i love the press <laughs> of one yeah i i love a bopo that's what i'm saying a bo- uh, i <laughs> won <laughs> get one for <three. laughs> <laughs> the summer sale <laughs> but that but i do agree i do think that's a really good movie like that's the thing <laughs> like it's really oh, yeah. well acted i mean yeah it's you got really, real actors well in it. made. Yeah. it's done by fernando Moraes, who made city of god so he gets a pass for life for me i mean so it's like yeah i think the movie's quite good yeah. uh mission impossible three humpty dumpty sat on a wall that's when yeah. he jumps that's when he goes over the, into the vatican city and he goes I mean, down on a line and he says that that key phrase and it's like oh that's the thing they put in the script and they kept um so, yeah, the two popes and Mission Impossible 3, movies
0: that are very close to each other. This is, yeah, I was like, this makes perfect sense. Are there other key movies about the Vatican that I'm missing? <laughs> the They're always involving religion. I'm trying to think of something that, that is just like, oh, we have to travel to Vatican City for something, and then they just leave to go do the rest of the movie. Hudson Hawk. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> there it is. Hudson Hawk. Oh, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right.
1: Right yeah. That's 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 heavily involved, the the, the Vatican. So, there you, there you go. go. All right. All right. Well, we did it. That's feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode about Now There and Abe. You can find more of my work by my personal right. about at the code of Everything I do ends up over there. I write for League of Entertainment and
0: whysoBlue.com for Blu-ray and Criteria interviews. I am on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Moose. Luke, you said it earlier, you stole my tagline for the show, but it's hashtag fuck you, Kyle.
1: <laughs> Luke Thompson, where can people find more of you online?
3: Uh, I'm on Twitter at LYTRules and Instagram also. Uh, you can find my reviews at uh, articles at superherohype.com, at the AV Club, at I do listicles at Slash Film. also review uh, Indian Festival films at Films Gone Wild and synagogues.com, and I have my own uh, blogspot now at uh, lytrules.blogspot.com, which has no readers at the moment, so y- y'all listening could be the first.
1: Great. <laughs> great, Awesome. Uh, you can find all the other episodes of, I- of OutNow Fair on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher.
0: SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWOD.
1: Feel free to email us at, at gmail.com Or check out our Facebook, com slash
0: outnowpodcast, or our Twitter, twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast and In our Instagram page, Instagram.com, social underscore podcast
1: as well. And again, uh, iTunes Ruth ratings, going to get those. Um, Luke, thank you very much for joining us this Thank week. you, Luke.
3: Thanks again. Always a pleasure.
1: For sure. Happy to have you back here talking popes and Ren- Renfields. Um, <laughs> and
3: fighting around the world.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next week's show, we'll be talking Evil Dead Rise. Ooh. <laughs> That's what I said when I saw the cheese grater. Um, but I am... Um, <laughs> certainly looking forward to that movie you know I'm a big evil dead fan Uh we'll talk all about it and after that though summer movie gamble 11 jeez I know so once again uh thanks Luke thanks to the listeners for listening and until next time so
0: long and goodbye I'm of you
2: See my castle may be haunted but I'm terrified of you I've cast my spell on millions but I'm terrified of you baby I do this from the ceiling but I'm terrified one. Then you come along and that freaks me out. So I'm fighting. Ooh, Dracula's I never ran from no one, but I'm terrified of you. See, my heartbeat is a slow one, but I'm terrified of you. I've been around for ages, but I'm terrified of you. Run my thing across the stage, but yet I'm terrified. Come along and that breaks me out. Tell them right to Dracula's way.